Hello, people. Welcome to another episode of the Right Way Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Big Billy Stella. Is it Billy Stella or Billy Nicky Stella? Billy Stella. Nicky's just the middle name. Oh, okay. Banging. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, my man. How are you? I'm all good, mate. Had a very productive morning. Um, just sipping on this new Red Bull. Um, spice pear. Bit of a, a road choice, but what are you going for? Is that the... Orange rain. Can't go wrong with that. Um, yeah, so um, to get started, mate, if you just want to, you know, do a, do an introduction to the people, let them know who you are, kind of what, what you've been doing recently. Um, yeah. From there. yeah, man. So full-time online coach, as is everyone nowadays. Um, alongside that amateur bodybuilder, I guess you can call yourself an amateur bodybuilder now, having done or complete my first amateur season. Mm. Um, racked up a few few shows this year, had a good crack at it, enjoyed it. Um, and that's where we're at, my man. That's where we're at. Good stuff. Um, first thing I want to touch on there, you said full-time online coach now. Yes. I remember when I first started following you, I can't remember exactly, were you like a, a project manager or like on a... Uh, yeah. So how how did you balance bodybuilding with kind of doing that? Because I imagine it's very kind of hectic trying to do that. Now, I don't want to say that it's hard because hmm. um, it's, it's not hard. It comes down to, and this all sounds really kind of blasé or cliche, but it's how much, like, you want it? how much how much you enjoy it, mate. How much you enjoy it. If you enjoy it that much, you'll make it work. Hmm. Not so much how much you want it. It's if you can't function without it, you can't, and I, I can't function without it. Like my routine towards bodybuilding, it keeps me going. It keeps me ticking. Um, if you really want to, you know, succeed at something and, and it does bring you that sense of fulfillment, you'll stay up till, you know, 11 midnight prepping your meals after a, a day of work and training and checking people in and, and doing your, your coaching work on the side. You'll do it. No questions asked. If, if you, don't want to do it you'll find all the reasons in the world to not and truth be told me whilst i was whilst i was surveying it was really it was fucking easy like it's it's easy if if you want to do it you you can um don't get me wrong there comes a point when as you advance as a bodybuilder and you progress that balance of being able to sustain you know, a nine to five, if you're employed and be a really good, really fucking good bodybuilder, there comes a point where it, you're going to come at loggerheads. You're either going to have to bias your progress within your nine to five, or you're going to have to look at something else that's going to allow you to progress a little bit more. Um, but that's not to say you can't make ample and fucking fantastic progression working on nine to, a, a standard nine to five oh, I just, in terms of like the autonomy that you have in terms of managing your own routine on a daily basis spreading your workload throughout the week to suit your your, your bodybuilding endeavors which is a massive luxury but yeah um and what you talked about there with you know like li leaving a job when you couldn't like like you kind of want to commit to bodybuilding more was that kind of your situation or was it just a point where um you know your your coaching got to a point where you know you could sustain yourself essentially and kind of obviously that's where you want to go because you know yeah. so my my decision to pull a, like pull away from I, I hate saying nine to five but I'll just say employment was purely because my heart and my passion lies within coaching um mm. It had n nothing to do with chasing my bodybuilding endeavors. It's just that's a really nice, a cool byproduct of being a being your own, your own manager, your own boss, if you like. Regardless of whether I was coaching or whether I was self-employed, working on the tools, whatever it may be, the same thing. I would still be able to manage it pretty similarly, right? But I just my bread and butter, my get up and go every morning was. I can't wait to do my check-ins once I've finished my nine to five today. I can't wait to catch up with the boys and girls that I'm working with. And when you spend nine, 10 hours doing something that really doesn't like that fucking spark or that, that fire deep down in your fucking gonads, mm -hmm. you, 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 there comes a point where you sit there and it, you end up kind of, 
like resenting a large majority of your day because it's you, you're just watching the clock go by you're just watching the clock go by and it's like what am I doing man I've got to, I've got to do what I need to do in order to to do what I want to do and that mm. was it that was it man um and kind of spanning off of that I always I always kind of ask a few similar questions but like how did your kind of introduction to bodybuilding start mm. also what the hell are you drinking <laughs> Oh my mad oh, fucking! Water, bro. I've got every supplement known to man in here. Oh, <laughs> bro, drinking dirty bath water. <laughs> we're actually, we're actually all right because about well, all the products are strong, so they're flavored all right. But it yeah, just yeah. looks like it's come out of man's ass. <laughs> uh, what was the question there again? Um, so like how you how you initially kind of got into bodybuilding. oh, but, yeah. So my background from a really young age, like I've always been in been into sports been a, a sporty child and whatnot um but throughout like my young teens my teens my colts um my background was rugby to like a really a fairly decent level everyone says that as well like, mm. until i picked up and until i picked up the injury like, yeah, yeah it's a very um, common route yeah um yeah background was rugby to a relatively decent degree like um like county level academy level um and my introduction to training, like weight training specifically, not bodybuilding, but just being in a gym was the strength and conditioning training that was like a was part and parcel of the academy setup that I was in as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, mate, going to these strength and conditioning sessions and I was obviously like genetically I'm I'm small, I'm short, I'm skinny. Like if I didn't train and I didn't do what I do, I'd be be skinny so thank god for test and mass otherwise man, <laughs> um yeah i remember going into into the strength and conditioning sessions and just being the being the kid that was like i'm well out of my depth here man there are big boys in here there are strong boys i would i would go into the strength and conditioning sessions and just do things that i was like tucked away in the corner of the gym away from everyone not having to worry about like one rep maxes and and, and, and all the other shit and then there come a point where um, just natural kind of progression, I started to lose the the, the fire that rugby was bringing me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd just been doing it for a long time and it, it just kind of taken the enjoyment away from it. Like not not pressure, like I was never pressured by parents or anything like that, but I just started to, to not really enjoy it as much. I enjoyed the training, but when it come to like the 80 minutes of playing a match, man, my anxiety used to go sky high and I just used to fucking resent that shit. Um, so when I, I was probably around 17, 18, I kind of, pulled back from playing and then just threw myself into um into the gym because I had in my head I was like right I had enough of the years of being the smallest person on the rugby pitch being the smallest person in the changing rooms and and I fucking hated how I looked as well man I had no confidence in my physique I was the person that like I would go on holiday with my family and it would be like 40 degrees and I'd be in the swimming pool with a t-shirt on. Like yeah, I, was that, mm. I was that kind of guy, man. I had no body confidence. I wouldn't walk around my house without my without my top on. Like I just had no no confidence in it at all. Um, but what was weird was like I was still a fairly confident person, like fairly outgoing. But when it come to like my body my physique you would never see me without even now though to be fair you don't see me without fucking 12 layers on mm. but back then I, I would hate taking my top off so completely threw myself into training into the gym had absolutely no idea what I was doing because it was there weren't really much in terms of information about then unless you was kind of deep diving into the like the forums back in the day like the DC forums and whatnot but it was mainly like YouTube like Callum Von Moga time and just I was training seven days a week and honestly mate I'd, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall just to see like what my training was like trained hard but had no fucking structure with anything mm. um and then I can't remember that can't remember the year exactly but my first coach was someone called um Calvin Gowland I don't know if you've heard of him CRG fitness on Instagram no I haven't uh, and he used to and I, I knew Calvin because I followed Cooper at the time and this was back in the day when Cooper kind of just started creeping up and he hadn't he, he wasn't really like famous or any famous like insta famous I mean. mm. yeah 
Um, so Calvin was coached by Kuba, um, and I liked kind of the approach that that Calvin trained hard. He, he was in much better shape than me. He was competing at the time. So I worked with Calvin for a bit. Um, and I was kind of getting like the, what was cool, because I was kind of getting like the recycled information filtering down from Kuba into Calvin. And I was getting that kind of gist from, um, from like the nutrition, the training, things like that. Still natural at that time as well, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, pro- I probably was working with Calvin for about two years. And I said like, I had no ambitions of competing. I just wanted to grow some muscle, man. Um, and about two years in, I was like, I think I want to do a show. I want to, I like the idea of competing, mate. Um, and he was like, let's let's go for it. And I, I didn't. I ended up stop it, stopping working with Calvin because at that point is when we went into the first lockdown with COVID around about that time, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so I stopped working with Calvin. I obviously stop training because I didn't have the luxury of having equipment I went complete like crossfit hybrid athlete mode which I think everyone did in that time it was like fucking bike rides I was doing everyone's with- doing runs in their air force yeah and to be fair man like I probably got in my best shape back then around that time in terms of like just general composition how I felt I felt fucking fantastic I was eating what I wanted to, being really, really mindful with things, but there was no stress on any of it. And then towards the um, back end of the first lockdown, I reached out to Josh McHale. CJM, Josh McHale. No, you don't know Josh McHale? No. Oh, fair. Um, And worked with Josh for, for fucking ages and ended up doing my first competition with Josh back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when I started following you. Around yeah, it's time. been around the time that Taylor was doing his prep as well. So I yeah, think yeah. you were working with Taylor around that time more. Yeah, because I was working with Taylor and I think I first saw you because you came second to Taylor in that show, right? So I won my class, but then in the overall... Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know where I come in the overall, but I'm saying I come second. Mm. I tell everyone I come second. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah man. So, so 2021, um, then... Uh, decided to pull away from Josh for a little bit just to kind of grow my experience as both an athlete and a coach. And I worked with Tom Haynes, evolution coaching for a period yeah, of time. Yeah, no, no, Tom. Um, that was my kind of off season. I, I probably made, that was kind of the, the first time I actually um, capitalized massively on like an off season in terms of like food escalations, you know, drug escalations, all of it like that and made some really good progress there. Um, and then it sounds like I'm a massive fucking like coach hopping whore. And then after, so I've done a, a good stint with Tom um, and just the relationship between me and Tom wasn't what I wanted um, mm. just from, from how we, we clicked. We're just quite different people. Mm. Um, and I've been mates with Dan Bastic for a long period of time, um, who is another coach and been working with Dan since, oh God, I'm looking at Beth as if she's going to prompt me right now, but <laughs> probably a, a, I'll say like maybe I'm going to say November last year, maybe I, I don't know, around about that time. Um, so I finished up my off season with Dan and then went straight into to prep this year, which was pretty pretty successful, man. Hmm. That's where we are. So that's the longest answer you've ever had to that oh, question. Oh, it's nice. Like I like it when people go into detail because I like yeah. people to get like an understanding for the individual. Um, yeah. What you said there about like coach hopping, like yeah. I think there's two two ways you look at it. There's going to be like one side of the coin where it's just like, you know, you should stay with a coach, establish a relationship, you know, build up that rapport, especially for when yeah. you're going for a prep. Um, yeah. But I think very similar. I was, I'm kind of from the same background with that because I, I want to say including Max now, I've, Tom, Tom Taylor, Christian, Matt. I swear there's another one in there. I think I've had like four or five coaches, but like, I definitely think getting an understanding from different coaches and how they manage things, especially if you're like your own coach and you're wanting to learn, it is very good as well. And I sometimes find, especially if you've been coached by the same person for a long time, when you start coaching, you're very kind of set in your ways. If you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, that saying where it's like, um, what is it? Like, you you are who you surround yourself with, right, to a degree. And if you you are being coached in a certain manner, a certain type of way, 
as as human beings, it's only natural that we're going to pick up that those kind of tendencies with our own, you know, approach to coaching as for the like for the most part, whether that's you know, specific approaches to training or specific approaches to how you talk and deliver checking feedback, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think it's kind of like a two, like you touched on this, it's a two pronged approach, right? Um, you got, you got the aspect of, right, as an athlete, what's going to work best for me? If I know that I'm making progress with this coach, is it going to be in my best interest to probably pull away right now? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at the progress that you're making, you've got to take into consideration as well, like your maturity and your age as an athlete, not as a, not as a person, but as an athlete, as a bodybuilder, as someone who has been doing this for X amount of time. Mm. If, if you're, you're like in your first two to three years, like, yeah, fucking stick with a coach and just fucking rinse it for all you can, in my opinion. But then on the other side of that, like if you are like us coaches who you want, you, your biggest asset in this game is your knowledge base and the experience that you can rack up. And everyone's going to have different approaches, different biases to, to how they coach, right? Whether that's the emotional side, whether that's the practical application of things. Um, But for the most part, and this is something I've found is that things are pretty much the same. Like drugs are going to be the same. Training is going to be the same. People are going to say, let's find how you like to train. And you you know how you like to train. The, for me, the main thing that's, that is probably the most important when working with a coach is that emotional side is how you can actually, cl- how you click with them. Yeah, um, like me, as, an, me as, an af- as a bodybuilder, as an athlete, like I have a wicked setup with Dan, like to the point where it's like, mate, I don't need a fucking loom video telling me that we're going to adjust this and adjust that. Send it on a text because the value is still the same. I don't need you to pull up my sheets and go, oh, okay, this trend is doing that. So for this reason, I'm going to do that. I just want to know what you're changing, why you're changing it. Send it to me on a text and I can crack on because I know that that works in his favor. It works in my favor. I don't really have the time to sit down and watch a fucking eight, 10 minute loom video. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to. Um, but for me, like, yeah, it's how I can, how I gel with that person, like them as a person, their values, their investment in me as well. Like, I think that's something I've found in the past with like previous coaches, coach, mm-hmm. um, is that you do just become a somewhat of a number and it's very evident to tell that. Mm-hmm. Um which as soon as I get a whiff of that, like I'm, I'm gone, mate. I ain't fucking sticking around. Like, and that's something I'll say to anyone that's watching this, and and even yourself, mate. It's like, remember, at the end of the day, you are paying for a service. In no other area of your life are you gonna pay someone for goods, for a product, for a service. And if you're not happy with it, like, if you go to the, you go to your barber, a, a barber, and you pay, I don't know, thirty, forty quid for a haircut, and you walk out and you go. What the fuck has this bastard done? He's absolutely obliterated. He's going to show me the back of my head, and I'll still be like, "Yeah, it's good, mate. Thanks." Yeah, you come out, and you're actually, <laughs> you've actually got the goodies. Um, you're never, you're not going to go back. You're not going to go back. You're not going to go back to that barber, right? You're going to go and look for another barber. But people, I think it's a little bit different with coaching. People feel as though they owe the coach a little bit more, which maybe sometimes that falls on the coach's part, and they're they're doing their best to try and retain clients. But you've got to remember at the end of the day, if you're not liking what you're doing. It's not bringing you fulfillment. You're feeling like just a number and a tick on the box and a fucking loom video sent out. Then there are plenty of coaches out there that do genuinely, do genuinely care, man, and are actually invested. So I think I think it's quite easy to tell the difference between coaches who are in it just kind of for the financial gain or for the gain of just like, oh, this is another you know trophy or medal for me so I can get more clients compared yeah. to someone who's actually going to sit down with you. Like Max, for example, is like one of those coaches where, you know, I was saying this on the last one with um, Anna, which we did last week, how for me at this point, I feel like very early on, I needed, especially when you start off, you need that accountability. You need that kind of level. Um, but now it's more of like, I might be too hard on myself or I'm overdoing something and I need that person to kind of tell me to kind of pull back and it's kind of like almost having a therapist in a way for me Um, but 
Yeah, I, I, I think like it's weird when you still see people like waiting like two days for a check-in or like a response for their coach and you're like, you're paying them how much a month and they can't text you back. Like it's wild to me. Yeah, I've got, I've got some horror stories of check-ins like that, but we'll save that for when we're not recording because I don't want to yeah. out it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of your season that you've just had with uh, Dan, how many how many shows did you, was it, I know I know you won one of the shows. I'm just I'm terrible with like following everyone, so I don't want to say like how many. Uh, so it's three shows total this year. Yeah, how many did you? How did you place in each one? Uh, so the first show I only competed with PCA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't plan to do two bros just because I wanted to like. At the minute, I'm not. I'm not going to say at the caliber for two bros, but I like PCA. I like how it's ran. My physique at the moment suits the the PCA criteria and what they look for in in bodybuilders a little bit better. Mm. Um, so the plan was to always to always do the PCA route this year. And it wasn't until, you know, halfway through the season or towards the back end of my season, at least, we kind of sat there and was like, we see see the standard, see the calibre at some of the two bro shows. And we was like, oh, we should have, um, we should have maybe dabbled a little bit in a two bro show, but just mm-hmm. hindsight's always a, a killer, right? So this year was PCA. First show was September the 10th, something like that, which was the PCA Midlands in Birmingham, which was weird because it was the exact same, the same date, the same show, the same venue that I'd done my first competition at in 2021. So it's like the, first time I'd competed as an amateur not a first timer was like we stayed in the same hotel we was competing at the same venue it was like massive kind of like nostalgia type thing mm. um so yeah the, the PCA Midlands was the first where um I compete in for people that don't know like PCA have short medium and tall bodybuilding classes I fall into medium like only just because man is short as hell um so it's men's medium uh the midlands i took the class win and then was fortunate enough to take the overall at that show as well which was quite cool because i had it in my head that i wanted to go back to birmingham and i wanted to win the fucking overall because i didn't win it back in 2021 because of that scottish bastard um and then the second show was the pca london which was two weeks later um which I took the class win again in medium bodybuilding and missed out on the overall, which I don't really want to go into it too much because it's pretty fucking irrelevant, but I feel like the the overall on that was kind of like not not unfairly, but kind of misjudged. Mm. Um, like kind of like if I hadn't have won the overall two weeks prior, I would have won the overall there as well, mm. I think. Um, but the guy who won the overall there was a classic guy and he was he was fucking great, man. He was really, really had a really cool physique. Um so yeah, London show. So that was class win overall at Midlands, then the class win missed out on the overall at the London, and then four weeks later, done the British, which I never really intended like it wasn't my plan from the offset to be like like start the season. Oh, that's my goal. I'm going to the British, I'm competing at the British. It was like every show just taken for what it is at that time. Um, and it was quite hard kind of because your first show of the season, if you've won your class and you've won the overall, you kind of set yourself up for like, where, where'd you go from there for the rest of the season? And it's a really hard kind of um, ceiling standards kind of maintain because it's fucking unrealistic if you think you're going to go to every show and take the class win and an overall every time but if you've done that for your first show in the year you put pressure on yourself because it's like right that's that's the bare minimum now anything less than that is like a like an L even though it's not because this yeah. is bodybuilding um so yeah we decided to go to the British um when I walked off the stage at London I was like oh because of how the overall was was judged. And that was my best, not my best look of the season, actually, but my look was much more improved from the Midlands show as well, which was why it was a bit of pill to swallow, because I bought a much better package. The peak was was now to a T. Um, so when I walked off the stage, I was like, right, like prep's done, was devouring fucking cookies and brownies galore, mate. And then the next day, me and Beth, 
I had the day off in terms of like structure with plan and whatnot. And we just had like a day of fucking just doing life. Mm-hmm. I went out and had, had some had some really good food. And then it's kind of like halfway through the day, we was driving home after having some food. And I was like, just thinking to myself, I was like, why? It's only four weeks. Why would I not do the British for an experience, man? And I said to Beth, bearing in mind at this point, me and Beth had fucking celebrated the end of prep. We're yeah. like, oh, thank God, I've been waiting for this. She got mm-hmm. my card, like she wrote me a card. She got me like a, a a care package with like all treats in, and we was like, yeah, wicked. They're gonna go do this, go do that, and then as we we're in the car driving, driving back on the way home, I said to her like, you're gonna hate me, and I, I, she was probably waiting for me. She was probably waiting for me to say something like, I've done something fucking terrible. Like I don't know, like shave my hair off, um, <laughs> and I said, I, I think I want to do the British. And she was like, let's fucking do it. Mm. Um, so I text Dan there and then whilst whilst I was in the car and I was like, I want to do the fucking British, mate. Um, and he texted me back and he was like, Bill, I'm not fucking talking to you about bodybuilding today. You need to give Beth at least 24 hours. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Um, and That's I replied from Dan though, like. He knows what I think, what I think like. Um, and, he, and he knows like, it's it's bit, it's man management, right? Yeah. Um, and I replied back to him and was like, um, okay, but I've already booked my accommodation and bought my <laughs> um, registered for the show. Yeah, burn uh, the boat. And he he, re- he replied laughing and was like, um, it was like, if you're good, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, yeah. and then from yeah, we just carried on prepping for four weeks, which was hard, man. It was was harder than I anticipated. Um from like a psychological standpoint, when, you know, 24 hours prior, you've had this big kind of dropping cortisol, dropping stress, like our oh, prep's done, like I'm reversed back in, into my off season. I'm going on holiday in four weeks, uh, six weeks um, to then go right now. I've actually got to up the ante again um, to pick yourself up was, was harder than I anticipated, but still doable. Um, then, yeah, went into the British which was definitely my my best look of the season, which is why this one hurt. Not hurt, but it hurt more than more than the the London, mm-hmm. um, because I think I was just like massively overlooked, man. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up coming sixth out of a class of nine or ten, nine out of mm-hmm. nine, um, which like for anyone to say like I, my first ever amateur season I've come sixth in Britain like you'd take that do you know what I mean but when very high expectations of yourself yeah I think it just stems from like the competitive like the athlete background man it's like and it's something I've I've tried putting away from a lot but it's like anything anything less than first place is is an L yeah, and if you think like that with bodybuilding, I've been having this conversation a lot with people recently, actually. But if you have that mindset with bodybuilding, you're going to have a very miserable and a very short-lived um, competitive career, yeah. and you're probably doing it for the wrong, for the wrong reasons. Um, especially at this level as well, like this standard. I think, yeah, we know that we've probably got, or me personally, I've got a, a decent opportunity to be a relatively good amateur-level bodybuilder. Um, but we always seem to have like the pinnacle is like that means I have to win absolutely everything, um, mm. which is just fucking unrealistic, man. Um, and do you know what the 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 weekend the show day of the British was probably the or actually no but the but Midlands was wicked, but the British was just like zero pressure, zero expectations, just fucking absolutely enjoyed a weekend um, with everyone there. Um, PCA put on a wicked show as well, man. They really, really do. Um, so yeah, come sick for the British, and that's where we're at, mate. That's where we're at. Mm. Um, leading on from what you said about like going into it with the expectations, um, for anyone listening, the episode we did with Tom Taylor, listen to that if you're kind of struggling with that. Because I mean, like you said, mate, I think anyone within this sport has, you know, especially if you've come from a like an athlete background, it's so easy to get kind of tied up in the mindset. Whereas, you know, if you don't win, what's the point kind of thing, but you've got to, you know, remember at the end of the day, 
you want to do it because you love bodybuilding. You want to do it because you love the process. And if you just focus on that end goal constantly, showing up every day becomes a chore. And then you just, you resent yourself. You, your mental health goes in the bin. And, you know, even though I didn't compete, like I haven't competed yet, I think a reason why why kind of early on in my, my kind of bodybuilding journey, I kind of struggled a lot with my mental was because I was just always focused on that end goal. Um, and there's, there is a bigger picture to it. And like, I'm sure, especially going from, you know, such the high of a P, the PCA to, um, you know, the, the uh, two bros, it's got to be hard because obviously you've, you've been here and then you've come down here. But then again, you've got to remember, you know, it's judged differently. You never know who's going to turn up on the day. There's so many factors outside of your control. And, you know, if you just put all that pressure on yourself, you, you're just going to break down and there's no way you're going to be able to kind of keep on this journey. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's something like this prep in comparison to uh, to 2021. It's, there's, there's a, it's multifaceted, really, because like it's not just how well I personally have handled it. It's just like natural progressions as an athlete, as maturing as a person, as a partner, as a son, as a friend, like you're going to get better at handling those things like naturally anyway. Um, but this year in like the preps from 2021 to, to this year, I like non-comparable. Um, my 2021 prep for a good majority of it, like, like 40, 50%, was fucking miserable man um it was really fucking hard um but i absolutely loved every second of it at the same time but it was just very hard it was hard not only for myself but i didn't make enough of an effort um to make it as enjoyable an experience for those that are, are close to me um while we're on this topic just because i did want to ask you this how like with with Beth, I'm assuming she she doesn't bodybuild at all. No, she's like completely outside of yeah, that. She, she, she trains, she goes to the gym, like, but she's not a bodybuilder at all, mate. She's like, no, nah, mm -hmm. no interest in that. Because I was gonna say from Instagram, like, you guys seem like you have a great relationship, and I think a lot of people going into it, kind of, especially within bodybuilding, kind of go down the road of like their their partner is a bodybuilder. So how did you kind of like help manage your relationship throughout the prep as it kind of got harder on yourself to be like, you know, inclusive for her and, you know. So it, it sounds really like when I, I say some of these things, you're going to think, like, oh, God, like <laughs> I'm really, really small. But it's like even down to like I try my absolute best to make sure that because, you know, it's like when you're in a diet phase, like your meal timings go a little bit askew and my sleep routine was was very very different to what it would be normally in like my in my off season for example so i'll be ready to fall asleep at like half eight eight o'clock whereas like normally we wouldn't be going to bed till like 10 half 10 or something like that right mm -hmm. so i had normal dinner time like when we'd eat our last meal together in like the off season would be like nine half nine like, for, like relatively late um whereas in prep like i'm finished i'm ready to go to sleep my meals are finished by like half seven latest i'm ready to go to sleep like i'm up at stupid o'clock so like a big thing for me was like making sure that I saved my last meal of the day so that I can sit down with Beth at the dinner table and eat like my meal, my tiny peasant meal <laughs> of like fucking 200 grams of chicken and air. It would take me like five, like not even five minutes to eat. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. we're able to sit down and try and keep that level of normality is really important making an effort to like I, I enjoy cooking so I was still like making an effort to cook Beth like lunch dinner for example going out for coffee um and even then it's like you I don't know if you've seen in my story but it was something we was doing like the beginning of prep we didn't really do it towards the end but do you see any of like the pastries that Beth was eating like the cakes or anything that were going up on my story when we was going I, out I don't think so no just like making an effort with little things like that like mm go out and have a coffee and have a walk but there's no reason as to why she can't still enjoy herself mm. do you know what i mean like she's not it on a diet. So simple but i think a lot of people especially when they go into a prep they just think like oh it's just all me now i have to isolate myself and kind of go this this own way because if anything intrudes my bubble you know it's gonna fuck up and then, and then like uh beth had beth 
done amazing at this like for quite a bit of prep as well was like when I'd get up and do my cardio in the morning like she'd come and do a cardio with me yeah. like we're not there talking for half an hour we're there like either watching shit on our phone or we're just fucking going hell for leather doing our cardio but we're there together we're doing it together it's a shared experience like it's not just I'm doing this you're doing that Tala and I'll speak to you later mm-hmm. um but yeah we spend a lot of time together as well man um yeah I'm trying to think what else you might have a, a good idea actually on like what I did that made this prep like more in more more enjoyable I also think as well mate like a large part of it that I do want to touch on is like actually fatigue management and yep. not feeling as though I'm actually dead on my ass in prep which is like kudos to Dan um yeah in terms of like how he'd actually manage this prep for me, because at no point really was a, I had my days, but at no point was I like, um, zombie, zombie mode. Yeah. Um, like it would, it would be fleeting, but then we'd, we'd pull ourselves back up to, to the surface a little bit and freshen up and then we'd go again. It wasn't like run me into the ground continuously, which then allows you to stay more kind of mentally kind of aware to, what you're doing where you are like even if it's like <clears throat> you know like uh, maybe not because you haven't prepped but you you have done a, a diet but towards the back end like your ability to like social battery it diminishes really fucking quick like even to the point where i just want to go sit upstairs like um, my grandparents might be round but i literally just don't have the energy to sit and just be like, even if i'm not directly involved um, but this time round, because that social battery wasn't burnt and my fatigue management was handled so well, like just being in the environment with everyone and not being a recluse just means that your family, your friends, your partner, they don't lose you from that transition from your off season or your maintenance phase into your diet phase. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Whereas if you, if you're not here, you're out of sight, you're out of mind, you're distancing yourself, you're, you're breaking that relationship down a little bit more each time you do that mm-hmm. um, and this time around was just complete completely different man it was crazily enjoyable yeah crazily enjoyable and I was like 10 times more peeled than I was back in 2021 so hey, I looked, was mad you were skinless I look back at 2021 and I was like you weak little fucking bitch you know <laughs> you but to be fair mate I was still working I was still surveying at that time 2021 um and that prep was fucking hard because I was commuting like a two-hour drive to work working for eight nine hours then two-hour commute back it was like 15,000 steps a day 30 minutes of cardio a day there was just long days like my days weren't finishing till like almost midnight each day Mm -hmm. um which again you can make it fucking work, but it's going to be that much more. The high stress levels are definitely going to burn you out more. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Right. Um, How are we for time, mate? Because I don't want to keep you. Um... Carry on rolling, mate. Carry um... on rolling until, until the conversation burns out. Okay. Banging. Don't worry. We'll never get to that. I'm good at that. Um, in... Do you want to get on to some questions? Yeah, go for it, man. All right, you cool. Got... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Taylor, Taylor said... What a prick. Can't believe you've got Stella on and not me hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw that and I instantly messaged Taylor. Um because I did want to have him on. It was just because but I think me, me and you've been uh obviously I saw you in Muscle Works and it just kind of I was just like I spoke to you briefly and I was like I wanted to have you on. But Taylor, if you're listening, mate, I'm de- I will definitely have you on. Um because <laughs> it would be good to reminisce about it. It was funny actually. I was thinking about this the other day because when I worked with Taylor. I feel like he was the first coach for me where he kind of like instilled that kind of like athlete mindset in for me because I I wasn't like similar to like you. I didn't, I, I never grew up playing sports. So I was just like always that chubby kid, very shy, anxious, who never like kind of put himself out there. Um, and then when I worked with Tom before Taylor, that was just like, that was me kind of going from like gem pop to, oh, I actually like bodybuilding. But Taylor was like the, 
the stepping stone for me where it was like, you, I mean, you know, you've got, how you've, got to, you've got to read out Tupperware four or five times a yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, he was like, he was like getting me into shape, and he was like, right, you have to, you have to work here now. Um, but yeah, I, I have you on Taylor. Um, someone said um, misconceptions with peak week protocols. I'm not going to speak on this because obviously I haven't prepped anyone or prepped, so I don't feel um, misconceptions with peak week protocols. So um, I think for the most part. Um, this gets quite a bit of traction anyway, like what I'm about to say, but peak week, I think people expect like miracle work to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and peak week is like, oh, but my physique's going to do a complete 180 here. Um, peak week, like for me is, um, or anyone I was prepping and for myself is a, is a period where like the work should have been done and wrapped up in terms of your 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 fat loss and your improvements towards condition like two and a half three weeks prior to that point mm-hmm. yeah um peak week should be for me like a period where your expenditure is pulled back to a point where you're doing pretty much no cardio steps are pulled back to like a baseline point um but in terms of misconceptions, I'd probably say that, that that is the biggest misconception that you're going to make up for lost time or loss of account accounted time towards your fat loss, towards your improvements, towards condition, because it's it's not it's not gonna happen. Hmm. Um and I think people think as well, like there's got to be this crazy adjustment in terms of like, right, I'm going to go from drinking six or seven liters of water to then I'm going to drink like two drops of water a day and it's just going to completely dry me out, um, which is 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 really not the case, man. But I, I would definitely say that that's probably the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of misconce- misconceptions that come to mind for a peak week unless you've you can you can think of any in particular but that's probably the biggest like well, i would i would say the same as you like people expect too much out of it i mean because obviously i i haven't prepped anyone and i haven't prepped myself but i've always the way i've heard about it is just like you know it it basically is just like the cherry on top it's not like you know you're changing a huge amount of you know variables that are gonna completely change everything it's like if you've put in the work this little thing we're gonna do here will help out but yeah. you know, if you fucked up, this isn't really going to change anything. So, so by the point of your actual peak, you would have hopefully had the opportunity if you were in condition enough that three to three and a half, maybe four weeks prior to have run like multiple trial peaks as well. So you have a good idea as to what you're set up for this actual peak is going to look like based off of your mocks. Mm-hmm. Um but peak week is like it's an enjoyable time, man, because it's like you're within touching distance. Um, you put you should have been pulled back on your your expenditure to start lessening fatigue by that point as well, in my opinion. If you're still doing cardio on on peak week, like I've seen people still having to do car like doing cardio on like show day morning. And I'm like, what on God's earth have you done with your timeline? Unless you've absolutely obliterated your prep with your level of adherence you shouldn't be having to do that um my opinion anyway um but yeah it's a it's a really enjoyable week you're you're getting you're getting things sorted and finalized with maybe like your travel plans accommodation um and just letting your physique come come to life you're gonna have more have a little bit more food in your system so you're gonna have more energy um you're gonna start to freshen up you're gonna start to get really fucking excited for show show weekend as well um and that's really when for me the excitement starts to build like when peak week starts it's like uh, the work is actually done we we are here we've made it to peak week yeah banging um someone else always also said um what do you weigh more in importance for bodybuilding structure or muscularity Uh, yeah i'd probably say muscularity because especially at an amateur level um if you've got someone that's got nice shape but is on you know pretty under under underdeveloped in terms of their muscularity muscle maturity 
shape doesn't really account for a lot if you've got someone with a shit ton of muscle hanging off of their frame mm-hmm. um you, you're probably looking at that strike of balance and muscularity as you start to progress through the amateur ranks into like the low level pro ranks um but for me personally um yeah muscularity is always in, in bodybuilding anyway will always kind of just edge shape and structure mm-hmm. um but what you said is right like a, a, a status quo a balance of the two is is the money maker right no one wants to see a fucking bridge people do but especially nowadays it's kind of not i personally don't want to look like just a, a block i like to, i'd like to have some kind of like shape to to my to my physique which i'm fairly lucky i, I do have mm-hmm. but both are kind of going to be structured even more so predetermined by genetics but muscularity again genetic but you can kind of control that one a little bit more as well um but yeah muscularity for me i would say would weigh a little bit more um because you like you, you could step on stage and have someone with fantastic uh structure fant- fantastic shape but nowhere near as much muscle and if you've got someone with okay shape and structure but has an ungodly amount of tissue hanging off of their frame well at the end of that it's a, it's a mus- muscularity competition right so yeah no 100 percent agree mate um, last question I've got on my well it's not really a question it's more of a statement um, someone said even the back of a man's head is shredded who <laughs> <laughs> oh, said mate. that um, it's from my mate Zhao <laughs> oh, that's gold I like that oh. did you um, uh, did you get any questions on your end yeah I've got some um, two secs let me pull them up um so I've got, what's your long-term goal with competing? Any trophies you want to win? Any trophies or accolades you want to win in particular? Um, so my long-term goal with competing is, and this sounds really kind of blasé as well, but I think it's really not naive, but it's not um, unrealistic when people set a goal within bodybuilding without I don't know what my physique's going to look like in the next off season. I don't know what improvements I'm actually going to make. I know what I want to make. I don't know what the goal is, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen, right? Because I can't control that. There are variables that are out of my control. I know I can work as hard as I can and I can apply myself. So my long-term goal with competing for me to say, oh, I want to, I want to be on stage at this weight and I want to have this body part, this size or whatever it may be. It's really fucking hard to say because I can't control how yeah, you don't know how it's gonna play out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so in term like my long-term goal with competing, for me, like my aspiration is like at the minute, I would really like to win a P- I would really like a PCA like pro status. Um and then from there, obviously, if I have the ability and we think it's there to dabble in like the MPC route with IFBB, then give it a crack. But honestly, my long-term goal with competing is just, again, this sounds so like it's a real loser answer, but <laughs> just to literally be as good as I can be as a, as a, as an amateur bodybuilder. And then I, whatever happens from there happens. I think that's the best way, mate. I think it's better than having the, the like delusional um thing of saying like oh i want to be like an olympia athlete do you know what i mean because it's so like as well right like if i was if i knew i was gonna be an olympia caliber athlete or Mm. or a really top level pro i would know that by i would know that or have a really good understanding of that by now Mm. if i was to pick up an ifbb pro card i know exactly what will happen I will, so I'll pick up an IFBB pro card, maybe by the skin of my ball bag, and I'd be a really low-level MPC athlete that will be competing at pro shows and never come in, you know, like top seven. But I don't want to do that. I want to be able to compete as a competitive athlete, which for me at the minute is like that PCA route, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to just pick up a, a an IFBB pro card. And I think a lot of people do, especially when they're so young, like you see like these freaks that I've just picked 
like gone to a regional, then a qualifier, a qualify regional, then a, a pro qualifier, and they've won a card. And it's like, great. Now, now what are you going to do? You're going to have to spend the next four or five years away from that competitive scene mm. to try and bring about improvements to maybe make you somewhat of a competitive IFBB pro. Which for me, like, I would much rather just win the card and, and then give it back and then go back to PCA just to say that I've won a pro card with IFBB yeah, and then be able to slap it in your Instagram bio. You know what I mean? Yeah, been <laughs> been there, done that. Was yeah. an IF, was an IFBB pro. Who has that in their status as well? Was IFBB pro. Hmm. But yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's very true. Um, um, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think what I want to do for mine. Like. I think I'm I'm like very early into this and like I want I've I don't really count myself of ha of having like a successful off season yet because I've always been you know last year I didn't really have like the best relationship with my coach and it kind of got to that point where I was just like I I don't know if I want to do it um so I bottled that off season halfway through and now with Max I feel like this is the first time I've kind of you know, I've done the diet phase where we've reversed out my body's reacting well. And now I just kind of want to have a very good off season and then compete. And after that, see if I even enjoy the process of it. Cause like, I'm not going to be one of these people who's going to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I, I want to, you know, place here. I want to do this. I don't even know if I enjoy this stage. I don't even know if I enjoy prep. That should like for where you are now, like my piece of advice would be like, Obviously, you're going to have a really successful off-season because mm -hmm. you sound like you want it. Prep and and the stage is something that is like, right, should be right at the back of your head. That's like, okay, I think it's there. And when you do think about it, the success for you and anyone that is in a similar position should be like your pinnacle, your goal, your focus of stepping on stage. It should be that. It should be to to have been able to successfully complete 20, 22, however many weeks worth of a really fucking hard process. And your success should be getting your tanned ass on that stage. That's it. Irrespective of one, two, three, an invite to a final. If you've made it and, and had a really enjoyable experience alongside that, stepping on stage, that that's it. That's that's all that should be the focus. That's all that should be the win. Not any of people like throw clout at people and, and try and drive up, you know, like the, the smoke and whatnot, where it's like, oh, you're gonna absolutely smoke it, mate. Like for a first time, I don't see many people like that are gonna be up there like that for you. And it's like it's irrelevant, man, because you don't know who the fuck is gonna turn up because not everyone that competes is on Instagram. You don't know everyone, right? Mm. So if you're going there and your only aspiration, the only want is to come one, we'll just say come first, you turn up and you've got this absolute fucking Russian Polish freakzoid that's just turned up from nowhere and blows you out of the water. Well, great. That 20, 22 weeks worth of prep is now for fuck all. So you've got no success from that diet, from that diet at all, which would have been brutal. So stepping on stage, that is the only, that is the win. That's it. Yeah. Anything else in terms of placing, that's a byproduct. That's that's a oh fucking happy days. I've got a gold medal because that's that shit doesn't matter. It really don't. Your friends, your partner, if you you're in a relationship, like mate, they don't give a fuck whether you've come. Your followers on Instagram don't give a fuck as well whether you come first or you come sixth, right? Mm. Don't care whether you've got a gold trophy or you got a shitty little brown one. Like it, it's irrelevant. Next week. People have forgotten that you've even been on stage. Mm. Yeah. So it, it has no no merit at all, in my opinion. Just fucking enjoy the process. Get yourself on stage, dance in a thong and enjoy it. That is it. That yeah. is it. I'm very grateful to Max because he has instilled that in me. Like I think early on that the reason why I kind of put so much pressure, like I kept failing was because I had that pressure. But like he's he's said to me, you know, just win every day. And over that period of time, if you keep doing that, you know, you'll do well and just, you know. Like, what the fuck, man? This, this is what I, I have this conversation with clients quite a lot, right? It's this whole process, whether you're in an off-season, whether you're in a diet phase, whether you're in prep, like, it it should be an enjoyable experience. It shouldn't be a wake-up every day with this massive, like, grey cloud over my head of, like, 
oh god like oh, i've got this pressure like what who what other hobby in the world do you do like i don't know, i'm thinking of like old boys that go and play golf do you think they wake up on in the morning and go oh god i've oh, I got 18 holes this morning fuck worried about <laughs> if i'm gonna make this putt it's like no like you're not going to have that with any other hobby in the world but because of how i'm not going to say egotistical but because of like what bodybuilding is and it's it is judged on on you it's really artificial um or superficial um that's kind of why we have these tendencies to put that pressure on ourselves and we pull the enjoyment out of it. And it's like, man, bodybuilding should be fucking enjoyable, man. It is, it's, it's your, it should be your lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm living my, my life is a lot of bodybuilding, right. It has to be. If I was waking up and it was causing, I was putting this pressure on me. Do you think I would fucking do it? I'd go, um, I'll go and play golf. I'd go and play squash. I'd, Whatever the fuck I'd do, I'd, I'd make sure I was doing something that wasn't putting my mental health in a shit spot, and that's it. Yeah, bodybuilding shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I think I think some people just kind of forget that, and they just get so sucked up into like the social media of it, and just like wanting to. And, and and you always find as well, just cutting cutting you there. It's like it's always the athletes that are relatively new and young into the into it as well. Like the boys they experience, the older boys, like I'm talking like the Amph Bows and the people that have been around for fucking ages. Like, do you think back in the day they was going, oh, I've got this pressure to do this? Like, no, they was just fucking doing the do, eating the food, taking the drugs, training as they were training, and loving the fucking experience of it. That is it. Hmm. That should be. Because at the end of the day, like I, I, <laughs> I always say like, the end of the day you're doing it for a piece of plastic do you know what i mean like if, yeah, you, if you don't enjoy trophies, it my, my trophies are up there but i can guarantee you probably in about three weeks time they've come back down off of the shelf again and they're back up with pictures of the dogs like they're gonna be they're gonna be gone yeah but, yeah i've got some cool pictures but what's even more better is the fucking memory and again exactly. i'm coming out of all these cringy quotes today but the things that we i will remember is not going to be that big fucking metal sword i've got on the shelf but it's going to be the memories of like the show weekend, which I spoke about on my story, which was like mm-hmm. us chilling in the hotel room. And we're talking about things that have nothing to even do with bodybuilding. And we're, yeah, we're building relationship. That's like, that's the thing I love about bodybuilding. And this is why I, I, I love doing the podcast is like, cause yeah. you meet people who have yeah. the passion and like, like the hard, the discipline of it and actually wanting to show up every single day and be like 1% better every yeah. single day. That's what I love. Like yeah. it's not, it's not standing on stages makes up for like one, not point one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, what's the point in focusing on just that part of it? It makes yeah, no Like I said at the beginning, it's like, if the only time you're ever going to enjoy it is you think you being on stage, like, Oh, what a sad little life, Jane. You're going to be miserable. <laughs> whatever. Do you know what I mean? You're, yeah. You're... No, it makes no sense. It's stupid, mate. Um, did you have any more questions? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple, mate. Um, two sets uh i've already i've already i already answered that one really like how different did you find the prep process this time around compared to the first time um i've got outside of bodybuilding what are some of your goals slash aspirations which is a cool one because I actually really fucking enjoy like not talking about bodybuilding. Um, and it also gives people a fucking opportunity, like (laughs) to realize that there is more to me than, than, uh, chicken and rice and master on. Um, so goals, aspirations outside of, outside of bodybuilding, um, start with like business first. I want to continue doing what I'm doing with my business, which is, is growing. I've got, like a wicked team of mixed mixed people in terms of um like lifestyle clients and athletes um and bodybuilders which is really fucking cool both male and female um so i want to continue to level up level up i hate that saying uh continue to grow as a coach um further my experience with that continue to you know deliver a good i don't want to say service but a good experience for people that 
whether they are a lifestyle client, whether they are an athlete, but continue to make it as um as non-miserable as possible, which is what it should be. It needs to just be an effortless, enjoyable fucking process, people. So that's 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 what a business. I don't have like some some guys will set like I want X amount of clients. Yep. I genuinely couldn't give a fuck how many clients I have at the end, like at, at the end of each month, as long as <laughs> as long as I have clients and I'm <laughs> I'm not like I'm not skimp. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't ever set um, like myself targets to you know like a hundred clients or anything like that because that's just not me, man. I'm so like in terms of like priority, my my building my, good relationships and actually having that value instead of just a so much more number. important to me than like financial, like as a business and being self-employed. Yeah, that is important. You need to remember that. Um, but that's not. Like I, I didn't leave surveying to go. I want to go into coaching because it's a really good money maker. If I wanted to make more money, I would still, <laughs> I would still be surveying. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm making more money now, but I could have stayed within surveying if it was monetary based. Um. So yeah, just continue to to progress as I am, and then away from away from bodybuilding. Um. Aspirations like continue to be like as good as a fucking partner as I can um, continue to have a thriving relationship with Beth, which is absolutely everything because without that, I don't really have much else. Like if I didn't have that, it would have a knock on effect into my business. It'd have a knock on effect into how efficient I am as a bodybuilder. Um, and that's like the gospel truth. Like she drives a lot of it to be honest. Hmm. Um, so to continue with that, um man i could keep going because i don't know how many years i'm supposed to go in advance i don't want to start talking about children i don't want to start talking about that's good, mate. This is good. i actually i love when people actually like speak yeah. like the worst the worst thing is when when you have someone on you ask them a question and they're just like yeah, yeah i want to do this and then it's that and yeah. You're like, um yeah like we're still a few years still a good chunk of time away from it but i want to have a family <laughs> at some point um and like hopefully by that point, like I do like the idea of having having children or at least a child whilst I'm still competing. Like, because I think it'd be really fucking cool to have like my 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 child at a show. Um, to have been able to say like, the most muscular in the playground. <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with your dad? Oh, nothing. <laughs> he's he's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that 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 would be really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I also want to be like, I want to be a really good fucking dad, man. Um, yeah, I want to be a really good dad. <laughs> and I don't know what that looks like in terms of me being able to manage um, being a, a a good amateur bodybuilder alongside that. But I don't want to be a dad that's like unable to go and kick a football about with their kids or you know get down on the floor and play with the kids without having a fucking aneurysm and shit like that um I can't so, play just on leg press sorry mate you know what i mean yeah i've got yeah, to wait yeah. for my cns, I'm CNS. <laughs> not yet where's the ashwagandha um, <laughs> can't pick up your baby because you've got clean shakes <laughs> no yeah literally yeah yeah um so yeah that's probably like goals aspirations just continue like I, I love my life. I have a wicked fucking life. I have a wicked relationship. I have a really good business. Um, so my goals, aspirations for the future are just to keep doing what I'm doing because it hasn't it hasn't steered me wrong, mate. So that would probably be that. Banging, mate. Um, yeah. I want to know what your goals, aspirations are for the future. Yeah, no, like um, for for me, it's just been like it's definitely like making coaching my job. Um. I discussed this again quite a lot on the the last podcast, but like, I've I we 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 were talking about like doubt and like self doubt as like a coach, and I think like because I'm quite early into it, and like I didn't have a lot of kind of like social proof that I could actually do it. I feel like I'm I'm currently like proving to myself that I'm kind of becoming this person, and like people are starting to see that now, and I'm getting more you know people coming to me and asking for help and advice, and you know I just want to be able to you know, put myself out there, develop the business and like just show people kind of like what I'm about and like 
I really want to do bits with the podcast. Like it's something I'm really passionate about, just like sitting down with like like-minded individuals and, you know, just, I think for me as well, like becoming an athlete, I like even just this, just sitting, sitting with someone who's actually competed, you know, getting knowledge from you is like something a lot of other athletes won't have. So like I cherish these moments with just where I can kind of like sit down, chat to someone, get advice, you know, um, but yeah, you know, develop the business, get to the point where I can leave my other jobs and just make this full time, um, move out, uh, yeah, that's as far as kind of get I'm kind of seeing. Wham in the process. Yeah, get wham, mate. You know, get, get, <laughs> get a competition under my belt and like actually, you know, not be in the set in the seventies. Like that's that's <laughs> terrible. I hate it. I feel like a little stick. About um, like what you said about like having the confidence to like whether you mean like to market yourself or to put mm. yourself out there. Mm. For me, like the biggest, if I could give like a golden nugget to anyone, it would be like like you see my content my content is shit like i don't i don't invest as much as i should in my content right um but for me what what has and what was the most important thing was showing people kind of like how much bodybuilding and the whole kind of area of physique enhancement lifestyle betterment how important that is to me like and how much that is my my be all and end all like I open my eyes I think about it I shut my eyes I'm still thinking about it um showing kind of like how submersed I actually am in it if that makes sense like it's not just something that I dabble in on a Monday to Thursday and then from Friday to to Sunday I'm like I'm out on the razzle dazzle like uh, I live and breathe this shit um so for people who are looking from the outside in as you would like, are you going to go to a, a hairdresser who, you know, Monday to Friday, he works in a butcher's, but Sundays he cuts hair. No, you're probably not going to do that. So someone absolutely, absolutely like lives and breathes it as a be all and end all is, is really, really important for people to see from the outside in. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I feel like that's a perfect place to end it, mate, personally. Yeah, man. I feel like we've been going for yeah, like an hour and 10 minutes. Jesus. Yeah, it just flows. All right. Well, Billy, thank you for coming on, mate. I greatly appreciate it. Um, for anyone watching, please tag us on uh Instagram if you do watch. Make sure to rate the podcast five stars, like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And uh yeah. um, what, what platform do you put it up on? YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Ooh. yeah, all of them, mate. We're covered. Covering uh, all places, man. Yeah, we've got to get, got to get all that interaction. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, catch you, on, catch you on the next one, guys. Thanks for coming Sweet. on. Bye bye.